This is God's word for us gathered here tonight. At once the Spirit sent him, that's Jesus, sent him out into the desert. And he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Before we engage with this particular text this evening, I want us to spend a few minutes thinking about how we can engage the Bible more deeply. You may have noticed this is the second time that I'm preaching on these verses the last little bit. Uh, I think last week, Sunday evening, I preached on verses 12 to 13. This morning, I preached on verses 14 to 20. And in one way, preaching on the same text helped me with some preparation during the week. But the deeper reason I wanted to go back to this text this week is that God's word is so deep and so rich. The scriptures have so much in them that we can barely scratch the surface even with a lifetime of study. And so I think it's a good thing for us intentionally to dig deeper and deeper into particular scripture texts. And one way we can do that is by going back to the same texts and reflecting on them again, reflecting on what they want to teach us both in themselves and also what they mean for our lives today. One of my high school English teachers, Mr. Ambron, was a chess enthusiast. He played the game all the time. If you had a few minutes between classes or over lunch, you'd go and he'd always be happy to play. And he was pretty good. But he used to tell the story of when he started playing in college and he thought after a few games that he was really good. And then he played someone who'd been playing for a few years and he could not figure out what was going on. He'd plan out a great series of moves and it would all go wrong. He'd come up with the next great strategy and this other guy would just pull it apart. And then suddenly the game was over, Mr. Ambron was in checkmate, and he still couldn't figure out what had gone wrong. So the next day he went and he got a book about chess that included a move-by-move -move description of a game that a chess grandmaster had played a few years before. And Mr. Ambron got out his chessboard, he set up the pieces, and he followed the game move-by-move -move all the way through. And then at the end, he turned back to the beginning of the description and he followed the game all the way through, move by move. And then he followed it backwards. He started at the end and waited every move backward until he got to the beginning. And then he set up the beginning again and he went five moves forward, five moves backward, and did the next five moves forward, and the next five moves backward. Mr. Ambron was a little bit of an obsessive person if he didn't pick up on that yet. But finally, after spending hours going over the same game over and over and over again, he finally saw the patterns emerging. After running the moves through forwards and backwards over and over again, he saw how sacrificing one piece at this point in the game put the grandmaster in a position down the road to capture three pieces really easily. He saw how the strategy came together and how every move made sense with every move that came after it. Mr. Ambron always said that was the day that he began to understand the game of chess. 
But he had to go down, he had to sit down with that book and go through the game over and over and over and over again. Now I think if we really want to understand the Bible, what it wants to teach us, the stories it tells us, the picture of the Lord that it gives us, we need to do something like that. We need to sit down with this book in front of us and dig and dig and dig. We need to see the story forward and see it backward. We need to go step by step and see what's happening and see how moves way back in the Old Testament show us who Jesus is in a fresh way when he shows up in the New Testament. I think there's a lot of value to circling back to text and digging deeper. Pastor Greg has invited us to do that as a church this summer with the book of Proverbs. And I invite you to consider doing that, to read the chapter of Proverbs that corresponds to the day of the month for the next just two or maybe three months and see how going through the same book over and over again deepens your understanding of it. That's something I've been doing this summer with the Gospel of Mark as we work through this text, reading through the book in a loop, just reading over and over again and seeing how what comes at the end changes, shows us, deepens what's going on at the beginning and vice versa. I think as we dig deeper and deeper into God's word, he grants us more and more insight. So that was a long introduction to what will be a relatively brief sermon tonight, but I wanted to take the time to just urge all of us to be digging deeply into God's word individually and as a church. Tonight, we'll be digging into these verses in Mark 1, and we'll be spending some extra time of prayer in this service. And I think our times of prayer arise out of some of what this section has to teach us. So we'll talk first about how God walks with us through our hard times, and then we'll think a little bit about God's kingdom and our nation and how those things work together. And then we'll think about discipleship and evangelism, what it means to follow Jesus and to help others come to follow him more and more. The first point for tonight, then, is that God takes care of us. God takes care of us, especially through our hard times. As we think of bringing God our petitions and praises later in the service, we read this section where Jesus goes out into the wilderness to do battle with Satan on our behalf. In this text, Jesus goes out, and this isn't a wilderness vacation. This is not a fun little trip. This is a battle. Jesus went out to fight and in fact, through his whole life on earth, Jesus was fighting. He was fighting against Satan and all the forces of evil. And as I mentioned last week, the section of Mark 1 includes a kind of passing reference to the wild animals. And I think the reason Mark puts that in there is he wants us to get the image of Christians being thrown to the wild animals. The Gospel of Mark was written when, King, when Emperor Nero was in charge. And the Romans did a lot of terrible, terrible things to Christians, including throw them to wild animals. And so Mark, when we read this text, wants us to understand that Jesus went into the arena before any other believer did. Mark wants us to understand that even when we face death itself, Jesus has walked that road before us. He's been there, he's done that, and he will go with us. And I think the reality that Jesus went out into the wilderness here, and as we go through the Gospel of Mark and we see all the ways that Jesus suffered, as we see Jesus' death even for us, that's a sign for us that God walks with us even in our hardest times. God provides for us even when circumstances seem impossible. There is no situation that God can't handle. 
There's no question we can bring to him that he isn't willing to engage with. There is no situation that God will abandon us in. Even when we go through the deepest waters or the harshest fires or the valley, the valley of the shadow of death itself, the Lord walks with us. And I think that can lead us to pray with gratitude, with comfort, with peace, and with hope. It's easy for us to forget, but God takes care of us always. God showers us with so many good things. On this day where we, or on this week where we celebrate all the joys of our country, as we gather in this nice air-conditioned building, driving here safely on nice roads and cars that got us here, there are just so many ways that God blesses us that we just don't even think about on a day-to-day basis. And God walks with us, too, through our hard times, through our struggles, through our difficulties. The Lord walks with us. And so we have reason to bring him our praises and our petitions. He gives us what we need, even in the hardest of times. Jesus' suffering is a sign for us that God conquers evil. And so we bring him our praises and our requests. Second for tonight, God gives us a place in two Kingdoms. God gives us a place in two kingdoms. The kingdom of God that Jesus says is near and that Jesus lives out through his whole ministry. That kingdom gives us a pattern for how life is supposed to be. It shows us how all our lives should look. It shows us how all the nations of the world should look. But we aren't just citizens in the kingdom of God. We're also citizens in particular nations, in particular countries on this earth. And we're blessed to live here in one of the countries that's probably the best the world has ever seen. We have amazing blessings. We have freedom. We have prosperity. We have safety. So many things that we take for granted day by day, many people in this world have never, ever experienced. And so we have reason to give thanks to God for this particular country he's put us in. But we also have to recognize that this country is not the kingdom of God. And that this country does not live up to the patterns of the kingdom of God. There are so many things that are wrong even here. Old problems that won't go away. New problems that keep arising. Even the best nations in the world. Even the nations that we belong to and that we love. Are not the same as the kingdom of God. And they fall woefully short of it. And so even as we go to God and we praise him for this nation that he's made us part of, we also go with lament. We go to God and we recognize that even though Jesus has brought the kingdom into this world, we still live in broken places. And so we pray for the good of our country and we also pray for God's kingdom to come when we will finally be able to live in a country that is exactly how God intended this world to be. And so we pray with persistence and with patience. We have a great deal to give thanks for here. We also have a great deal to wonder and worry about. We have reason to pray for our country continually, that it be the place God intends all the world to be. But we also have reason to go to God with patience. Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in the new heaven and the new earth. And so even when this world isn't perfect, we don't get too caught up in it. We don't get too frustrated. We don't get too brokenhearted when the country doesn't go exactly the way we want it to. 
because we're also citizens of the heavenly kingdom. And we know that that kingdom will last forever and someday there everything will be made right. Third and finally for tonight, Jesus calls us to make disciples. When Jesus calls us to follow, he calls us also to bring others along. We're called to repent and believe, to turn away from everything else and to turn toward Jesus. And we're also called to invite other people to make that same turn. But none of that happens without God's power. None of us follow Jesus without the Lord working in us first. And just like we don't have the power to get to God ourselves, we don't by ourselves have the power to bring other people to him. Yes, we need to make a commitment to be open to sharing the gospel and to being fishers of men. But this is not ultimately our work. This is ultimately God's work. And yes, God gives us a part to play in that work, but it is the work of the Lord. And so often the first step, sometimes the best step we can make in discipleship and evangelism is going to our knees and praying for the Lord to help us grow in him, praying for the Lord to equip us to enable others to grow in him, and praying for the Lord to provide openness so that we can share the gospel with those who haven't yet heard or haven't yet accepted it. Jesus calls us to follow him, and he tells us that he will make us fishers of men. And so we go to him in our prayers, and we ask that he bring his kingdom, and we ask that he transform us, and we ask that he enables us to reach out with the good news that Jesus has brought the kingdom. So tonight we'll be bringing our petitions and praises to the Lord. We'll be praying for our nation and for God's kingdom. And we'll be praying for the Lord to work to draw us closer to him and also to use us to draw other people closer to him.